Welcome to Night of the Living Geeks. If you geek out over it, we've got a podcast for it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Tornado Tag Radio here on NOTLG.com. This episode is going to be all about New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax 28. My name is John, and joining me this week is my good friend Chris. Chris, hello. Hello there. How are you? Been all right. It's been quite uh, an exciting month basically <laughs> yes. just of figuring out a way of watching these matches while at work just so that way I wouldn't get overwhelmingly uh to the point where I was last year where oh crap there's only three more days before the last three days of the tournament and I have at least eight shows is worth to catch up on oh boy great <laughs> yeah I uh I actually I'm right there with you so I was happy with myself yeah I um so I think last year I guess this is this is worth uh worth talking about last year I believe I was behind and I think if I recall I just didn't watch everything and uh this year I did it a little differently because I decided with the G1 if I want to if I want to stay up to date i can't watch the whole show so yeah, i just uh, watched that's the tournament matches. what i started doing since the last year basically prioritize all of the tournament matches first and foremost and if you have a little time or you heard one or two things in the undercard tag bouts were good yeah go back and check that out uh, under just a different circumstance but mostly focus on the tournament itself absolutely and Ironically enough, even this tournament this year appeared to be just a little bit easier than others because there were at least three people in this tournament that I knew to myself, well, that's an automatic skip. Okay, I am glad that we have gotten to this point because I did not watch any large Michael matches. Medium Michael Media, at best. Medium Michael or, at best. Or, or as Jack and I, when we talk about it in this podcast, we've been coming up with the fact that it's, in fact... Famous wrestler Yoshihiko, who's been wrestling all these matches and coming up with the <laughs> wackiest of stories oh. as to how he has won or lost. And to be fair, that's probably more entertaining than watching Michael Elgin matches. At this <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, so there were... Uh, I, who else did you skip? I'm curious. I don't think... I think the only Makabe. other... Yes, I skipped, I skipped a lot of Makabe matches, obviously, because I'm not a big one fan. Of, one of the few exceptions were mostly, like, any time that he was getting into a brawl, like, with, say, Suzuki or something like that. I did fine. watch... They, had, they I, haven't good enough chemistry to where I could withstand it, but otherwise, just... He's old, he's broken down at this point, he's there because he's basically famous in Japan for doing host shows. And yeah. To be fair, he has a pretty sweet blog about, ironically enough, sweets. <laughs> really? that's an actual thing oh my god he, he he has like his own spots where he just goes to areas in japan i guess whenever new japan's on tour finds places to eat candy and sweets and does it and blogs <laughs> about it to be fair that that's an envious enough life that's pretty and cool probably, probably more reason to dislike him to be honest with you so you're famous and you just can't go anymore yeah for the most part i so, watched uh, Two Makabe matches. I watched the because I was just getting into the tournament, so I watched the uh, Yoshi, Yoshihashi match, mm-hmm. and I watched the Hangman Page match, and those are the only the big, two I watched. 
Yeah, a Page, Suzuki, and I want to say Okada, I think those were the three that I ended up not uh, skipping through uh, out of that group. I believe he was, yeah, he was a group. Yeah. So, uh, a, a group, Wake, rather. Yeah, yeah, a group for me is usually the the weaker of the two blocks. And this year, you really thought just the way they kind of stacked all of the champions, Chris Jericho notwithstanding, yeah. because reasons. In the B block, you thought, oh man, so A block is just kind of going to be vets doing their thing here or there. You have the two young youngsters, and you know you didn't have a whole lot of expectations out of it, but A block actually delivered on quite a few bits and pieces there uh, personally um oh well yeah we had jay white and we had we had hangman page who i i enjoyed both of them and i mean Mm -hmm. tanahashi just basically ran the table and okada had a pretty fun i thought Mm -hmm. as well so touch into that momentarily too the other thing that i will say about though just because we mentioned a block and yoshihashi being a thing he's a guy that after like his second match in the tournament just i felt either he really lost confidence in whatever he was doing or he was just sleepwalking through yeah. a ton of this stuff. Like yeah. I would have rather seen Taiichi in the tournament instead of that, ironically. And that's <laughs> that's a bold statement to make when you consider if you know Taiichi's history for chicanery and nonsense. Yes. <laughs> so Um yeah. so let's see. Uh you didn't watch a lot of Makabe matches. You didn't watch a lot of media Michael matches. Who was the third person that you would skip? It was it was Yoshihashi actually. Oh, after, like that third match. For the most part, I'm just kind of like, let me just fast forward through this. Who won? Okay, great. Let's just move on to the next thing at this point. Uh, I mean, I'll give him credit. He seemed like he was trying at points, but it was, just wasn't clicking for me. Yeah, for some people it may have. So you know, if that's the case, definitely good on you. Uh, well deserved. Um. But yeah, for the most part, most of these skips ended up being out of A block in that case. So that made some of those shows kind of a relative race to run through, surprisingly enough. Yeah, I would just, um, I wouldn't even look at the card. I would just skip ahead about an hour through uh, the all the uh, tag matches. That's and then... normally what it took on average. It was about like the 105, 110 mark is normally when yeah. they'd finish through the entirety of the undercard and they started moving into the tournament matches at that point. And so. then I would just see the entrances and be like, okay, I think I want to watch this or no, I can skip this. So yeah, A block, I saved a lot of time. I d- did not skip a lot of B block. And I will, I will say, um, I was going to ask the question, and I guess since we're talking about the B block now, I am. I understand storyline wise what we're trying to do. I am very disappointed in Tomatonga's uh, G1. Oh, I think literally the only reason why his matches didn't get skipped is because for the most part they ended fairly quickly due to whatever bullshit might have been going on. So. Yeah. I mean, I didn't skip them. I'm just like. All right, he's Cring- trying to cement. Yeah, he's cringing through them as it goes. Yeah, I mean, he's cement. He's trying to cement himself as you know the. I, I well, they all say they're equals, but I mean, the just the the split of the Bullet Club, and I thought this would be his coming out party and six points. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody got less than six points, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, they did 
fairly balanced in that perspective, especially with some of the uh, last couple of days' uh, results. Uh, yeah. As for Tama, to me, I feel his coming out party was more than likely two years ago when he entered the G1 for the first time. And then he got paid the multi-year deal. Yes. Because, and then from there, it's just kind of been... Coasting. Nah. Like, he's still good doing tag work with uh, Loa and the Gorillas of Destiny thing is fine. But yeah. Singles-wise, I just don't want to see him in the G1 ever again after this. So, And my problem with it is that maybe he's thinking to himself, oh, hey, I'm getting all of this heat by just not wrestling up to the traditional values and everything else but that's it's not like oh boo you just suck as a you just suck in general it's more like go away at this point we literally don't want to see you in the same match ever again kind of heat which i don't think it's good by any means no no not at all so I mean, we're talking about disappointments. Was there anyone you thought had a uh, that you thought would have a better G one that uh, necessarily didn't? I mean, for my vote, it would be it would be Tama for sure. Um, outside of the obvious pick for many, which I think probably would have been Tom, uh, probably would have been Tama Tonga. Mm-hmm. I'd say Hiroki Goto, to be honest, was very. Uh, it. it started off well yeah he kind of hit his apex on the match against ishii and then from there it was just sort of really really yeah down two from last year he won two more matches than he did this year um yeah Mm -hmm. just kind of mad i feel like he was another one that i just kind of skipped around on didn't really i mean he had some good matches with i mean in my opinion sonata he had a pretty good match with uh, I mean Omega and uh, and Ishi mm-hmm. and did he? Yeah, have... those would probably be the three I pick out of the tournament that he did. Yeah, really well with. But everything else was just. It almost felt like in a couple of ways he was just sleepwalking through stuff, and yeah. I'm not sure whether that might be nagging injuries from one of those matches that he's just like, "Oh crap, I can't really push myself yeah. that far now," or whether it was just chemistry not being there. It was a respectable enough tournament. I just think for a guy that is coming into it as your third to fourth tier singles champion in the company, yeah, uh, you'd expect a little bit more. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, maybe, and I think maybe that's where the disappointment is coming from for a few of us. Especially anybody that's been very hot and cold on Hiroki Goto as I am, personally. Yes. Just from knowing for years that this was a guy that gave a lot of good performances but that the company just kind of made into a perennial loser when it counts the most yeah i mean his entrance video is him losing a bunch (laughs) or it was i don't know if it still is but you know not not anymore i believe but it was for a little while there definitely yeah i do recall yikes um trying to think of anybody else that i thought had a had a disappointing i mean i'd say tama for me Everyone else kind of like I expected what I got. Was there anyone you were surprised with? Anyone who did much better than you thought they would? Hangman Page, actually. Yeah. Impressed the heck out of me. Uh, He was the guy that I felt kept consistently improving with each of the matches. And it's sort of clicking for him. It's like, oh, okay, so this is how I do this, this, and that. And kind of just handling uh, everything. I thought the booking on him was very well done for starting him off against um 
Yeah, against Fale, I believe is who it was. Uh, just starting him off against Fale and that DQ win and then kind of having him lose the next couple of matches, but showing bits and flashes of brilliance up until, and of course, never throughout that time hitting the rite of passage, not even once. So that way, once they did hit, then yeah, you knew at that point the match was over right there. I thought they did a really good job protecting that particular finish. And yes, props to his match with Suzuki because that counter from the gotch into the oh. passage was utterly smooth as butter. Oh, it was so good. Like that... it was, it was a proper finish to buy into that. You're just like, oh man, like Suzuki's gonna just seal this up. Wait a minute, did he just? Wow. Okay, uh, you know, it was kind of an acceptable finish just because of how out of nowhere it was. Yes, the fact that they had those particular finishes on both men and that equation protected accordingly. So, yeah, that was man. I I thoroughly enjoyed that match. I'd say who was I surprised with? I mean, I would say Paige as well, and I might even say I I don't know if it's so surprising that he did well or if it's just surprising that i believe he beat every singles champion and that would be uh tomohiro ishii i believe he beat every singles champion in his block yep i believe uh goto goto omega omega juice and juice so man i uh for me i think that's most shocking just to run the table of all the champions in your block I think is very mm -hmm. impressive. I can definitely see where people are coming from with that. For me personally, Ishii's my MVP of the entire tournament. Oh, absolutely. Undisputedly. Koda is a close second. Yes. Especially the matches at Budokan kind of sealing the deal, but Tomohiro Ishii is just a beast at this point. And and the fact that he's getting a shot at the heavyweight title, which he should have gotten last year when he beat Okada, but yeah. chaos buddies and stuff. So I guess that played a hand into it, but no, yeah. it's going to be exciting because I wouldn't be surprised if that's your King of pro wrestling main event come like September, that September, October period. Okay. And that is very exciting to me. Yeah. I would love that. That I need to see again. That match was insane. They had a they had a great match, uh, Omega and Ishii. I mean, I feel like every match that Ishii had was very good. Yeah, definitely a lot of different dynamics to each of his matches and just great performances uh, throughout it. So it, it's hard to describe it and really do it justice. The words I really do feel if you're still sort of catching up in the G1 or if you're listening to how other people were talking about the tournament to see what you should go out of your way to see. Yeah. Just find every single Tomohiro Ishii match in this tournament and you'll be a okay. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh, In in particular, uh, his match with Ibushi and his match with Omega are musts. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. I I agree with that. 100%. Go seek those out. The, uh, the finish of the Omega one is just brutal. He just, some of the, Absolutely, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. He absolutely wrecked him. He just wrecked his shit. It was, it was beautiful. And just who who carted Omega off because half of his lip was missing. I don't know who it was. It's probably a young boy, but he just yeah, it was, was. It was one of the young boys, I believe. Oh my god, that was yeah, that was something else. 
But yeah, I agree. Uh, Ishii definitely the uh, the MVP of this of this tournament. Um, man, I'm trying to think of what else we could cover right now. What what would you say uh, your personal favorite matches of this mm, tournament? It's really really weird just because it's still fresh. Yeah, in mind, and I may have to go see it again at a certain point soon just to determine whether it really was or not, but I think there was something really magical about the final this year. Yes. Whether it was the atmosphere of Budokan, the way it was just kind of rocking from start to finish, like very similar to like a big all Japan main event in that late eighties, early nineties era Mm -hmm. where some of those guys were just out of control, like white hot type of deal, whether it was kind of the, awesome little bit that we have not only with Kenny cornering Koda in this situation, but Shibata being in Tanahashi's corner. Yeah. Incredibly exciting. This is very cool. He got a nice Uh, little ovation as well. That was good. Well deserved on top. Oh yes, definitely. Like, and it's weird for me because I was one of those guys that at first didn't really appreciate Shibata a whole lot. I just thought he was really to be fair, a one trick pony in terms of, oh, yeah, put him in there for a good, strong style kind of match, but he can't really do anything else. And then, then that last year, up until Sakura Genesis, when he went up against Okada, I've really started to kind of, my opinion on him really started to shift as he expanded a little bit more. Uh, he started doing his stuff in Rev Pro, which was phenomenal as well when he was there, uh, the British heavyweight champion over there. And uh, If anything, it's just weird thinking that we are in kind of a, wrestling world where yeah we got daniel bryan back but we're likely not getting shibata back ever. yeah i might be for the better actually just because of how he went out in that last match yeah Ooh, yikes uh one thing that needs to be and i think as you mentioned uh that probably would be my favorite match but you also have to put the ishii I'd say I'd give Ishii Ibushi the edge a little bit more over Ishii Omega uh, out of the two big Ishii matches uh, as a personal favorite just because seeing Kota Ibushi go to that place yeah, and when he does it, just absolutely phenomenal <laughs> stuff. The punch to the throat of Ishii oh, from Kota geez. when he just decided, okay, that's <laughs> let's, let's just put an end to all yeah. this. It's utterly thundering that entire arena came alive when they saw that. yeah they did big big moment um, um i think if we're going to mention you know in terms of favorite matches too uh obviously kind of one of the big elephants i feel that are there on the table for anybody who's seen this g1 because let's face it uh anybody who doesn't love them is uh probably just I'm not sure how to describe him, but if you don't love Tetsuya Naito, I think John and I both are in agreement that we don't like you very much. Let me tell you, um, I thought Naito had a a a good. I mean, he he tied with three other people, but unfortunately, all three of those people beat him. Um, yeah, I thought he had a fine tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a it was a mixed bag here and there. Were a couple of matches being okay? They just kind of play their hits and yeah. run from there with some really good ones kind of on top of that. Like uh, him and Sonata definitely brought up a good amount of emotions all around. Yes. Did what they needed to do. Him and Ishii was an absolute banger, but then again, Oh, they, Ishii, yeah. MVP of the tournament, obviously. Yes. 
Um, I thought him and Juice had a pretty good match. Oh, so I loved that match. I loved how we got the Naito moveset, but it was all done to the injured hand of of Juice. I thought that was very, very cool. There's just a lot of cool things going on in that match, and I just really, really enjoyed it. By the way, Juice's hand being an entire storyline through this, absolute brilliance. Yes. Especially to play around the fact that he didn't have as many points this time around because, hey, guess what? His left hand has been broken and he usually sets people up to beat people up. Yes. And matches with it. So, and I think it's going to set up a really nice kind of redemption arc for him throughout the fall when he defends this U.S. title God knows how many times. Oh, yeah. He's going to have to. knows a ton of people. Yeah, exactly. Zach is already claiming a shot at him. I think he mentioned sometime in the U.S., which means... Probably Long Beach is when this happens at the end of September coming up. Well, I will. Are you going to be there? Uh, not going to be able to make it just because I'm doing all in earlier. Oh, nice. Going that I'm doing Bola two weeks later. Yeah. If the show was on a Saturday, I'd consider it a little bit more. But given that it's on a Sunday and I have work Monday morning, (laughs) kind of a tight squeeze. Yeah. But. I'll watch it through New Japan World and the Japanese feed because I will not tune into Access TV and the English broadcasting <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Because at this because at this point I'm kind of tired of JR and fuck Josh Barnett. Oh just man. Saying. I so I guess let's let's just talk about the English commentary on New Japan World just for a brief moment, because I, I really haven't gotten to talk about it. But uh I I enjoy it a little more now that they have uh, Chris Reason JP on there. Mm-hmm. He is and, such a fantastic addition to that team. Oh, yeah. Them bringing in Chris Charlton was an absolute masterstroke of a move for those last like three or four nights uh, of the shows. Uh, really just very fun. You could tell he was a little bit awkward at points just because he hasn't done this before. But yeah. Once he kind of settled in and just him playing the sort of mike tenay historian yes when we needed the context was an absolute gold mine especially when it came to those final uh the to the final couple of shows over budokan yeah uh, and really i'll give credit where it's due kevin kelly has improved tremendously over the past year and rocky was a really good partner for him i know a lot of people were kind of expecting don Callis to show up again for the finals but i guess he's with yeah impact being his you know, kind of busy as they are right now, it's understandable why he couldn't make it. But yeah, uh, Kevin Kelly and Rocky Romero did, definitely did hold their own during the tournament, though. They were enjoyable to listen to. They never really got overbearing in terms of like explaining things to people. They kind of played up to their audience for the most part, right. I felt, rather than kind of treat us like we're dumb, like most WWE broadcast teams tend to do yes definitely sorry i I say this as somebody who likes Corey graves a lot and who enjoys the fine intricacies of 205 live and nxt but let's be realistic here folks yeah uh yeah sorry john no it's fine let's let's circle back around to naito uh we were talking about just uh, I think what his best match and I think we were talking about protecting finishers a little bit and I am you know I'm a little sleep deprived and it was a long tournament but correct me if I was wrong was this the only time uh, Zach hit the uh, the Zach driver 
yes, yes, it was. Okay. Um, and that was the big thing during the tournament that even Taka was hyping throughout really every single yes. opening announcement where he can beat you with submissions or he can beat you with the Zack Driver, which he had used prior to tournament action. I think he's might have busted it out in undercard tags. I'm not 100% sure, but I know he busted it out before the tournament to establish that he was going to start using that moving forward. But this was the only time in the tournament that it was used, and I was completely okay with this kind of being the dagger on Naito's G1 tournament. I felt yeah. even heading into the final nights that even if he won, his odds might not be that good and that they might give Kenny the shot to go to the finals and make history by being that first guy doing it three times in a row type of deal. I just felt that, and I feel in a way too, that Naito specifically might not even need the G1 this year because at the end of the day, when you look at a Tetsuya, Naito is about as over as anybody in the company, even without the top belt. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Chono, Masahiro Chono in that perspective, where Chono literally was one of the most popular figures New Japan's had for years and you know he's transcended into pop culture these days over in japan he still comes in for uh the appearances on the announce table he did the g1 presentation this year too uh given that he is mr g1 after all yes uh, but a lot of it is with chono too he was only heavyweight champion for 44 days total in his entire career with new japan and huh. His career turned out just fine. Yes, it did. Uh, bar, barring, of course, the unfortunate like neck injury that slowed them down considerably and all, but I think a lot of it. And I understand, like being a Naito fan, being a Naito fan is struggle. We all know this by now. Yes, far far too well. But to me, it still feels like there's time on him. He's still 36. He's still working within. Uh, his parameters and just delivering the kind of matches that he can with both the character as well as uh, being able to go whenever they need him to. Yeah. And maybe this isn't the year that he'll main event, main event the dome, but if that means, Hey, they're looking at maybe running him at a dome main event come uh, January 4th, where it falls on a Saturday where they can really see how much of an audience they end up getting on the weekend. Yeah. Try for that. Hey, oh, I'd say just let it play out for now. Um, I don't think they're just going to throw him to the side and neglect him in full. Albeit, him being in a little bit of a holding pattern since the whole IC title loss is a little bit frustrating, I will admit as much. Yeah, it it, it is a little frustrating, but uh, he's, still at a, he's still at a pretty good pretty good g1 but man zach saber i think zach saber had a pretty he had a pretty good g1 as well and just to uh i did like that they protected that finish because they talked about it a lot and i'm like he hasn't used it once and then he used it basically out of nowhere and got the uh the pinfall on naito to yeah. dash his hopes. It out of nowhere nowhere basically eliminates the crowd favorite out of the G1 after saying the night before, I hate Naito. I'm going to make it my life's mission to make sure he doesn't make it to the finals and just instantly they're creating something for the fall because I definitely think that's probably... That could be a, a special singles match yeah. for King of Pro Wrestling, to be honest. And it would be, it would be a fine match because at this point, too, uh, Naito hasn't beat him one-on-one as no. of yet. So... You you get you definitely get a lot of heat coming into it as well. He's kicked so. them out of two tournaments, basically. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. 
Uh, let's see. Let's see. What else? Is there anybody the else? Curious case of, the curious case of Kazuchiko caught in his goddamn balloons. We can talk about that for a moment. <laughs> I did, and we were talking about um, about uh, what is Chris's last name? Reasons, JP. Uh, Charlton. Charlton. We were talking, and he made a very good point to where he talked about. I can't remember who he talked about that lost the belt. It might have been Tanahashi, and he. Uh, he went one way, but when Kazuchika Okada finally lost the belt, he descended into madness, which mm-hmm. I thought was a very good way of putting it. And we've seen the kind of goofy Okada making fun of himself, crying when he lost at the dome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was um, with the yeah, with the balloons and it's just it's weirdly enough cl- the closest thing to his actual like in real life personality that we may have seen out of him in years yes. at this point and i thought it, to me at first it was a little confusing sure but then eventually once he started doing a little bit more of that and you saw those post match promos it's like okay he's just trying to cope at this point with the yeah. fact that some white guy basically walked into his life took the one thing that mattered to him most and he's just trying to cope with it on a daily basis yeah it's storylines to be honest with you yeah and i i thoroughly enjoy it i think it actually kind of rejuvenated him mm-hmm. in my eyes a little bit not that i was getting tired of okada but uh yeah and i mean the big news during the during the finals between tanahashi and abushi uh they did a backstage kind of post-match interview mm-hmm. and okada said uh gato is no longer my manager yeah, they're still within. He's still going to be within chaos with them. He's still going to tag with Gato every so often, but it's just one of those things where you noticed even throughout this G one where Gato wasn't in his corner a whole lot of the time yeah. for the singles matches, and then Okada kind of just made it official that hey, it's about the right time. We've done this together for about six years with him being in my corner. We just decided it's time to go kind of a different uh, way while still keeping. Uh, while still keeping within the group and all. And I think that's fine too, because it's something different for Okada to differentiate himself after the six years of just being the rainmaker for the most part and yeah. having that legendary championship reign. I feel he's going to be probably away from that title picture for a little while yeah. uh, at the very least, just to let his batteries refresh, do something a little bit different. Uh, part of me and I think a lot of people have been starting to speculate on this, that he possibly might be the one that goes after Jericho come January this next year. Ooh, okay. And I mean, if you, and if you think about it, it'd be something different for him to do. It's still get him in a really high spot within that Wrestle Kingdom card mm-hmm. as it is. And really, Okada playing the role of kind of Nakamura for a little while with the white belt would be nice to see. Yes, just a, a little something different in that situation with a different championship. That would be great. I would be one hundred percent down with that. Yeah. Um. Go ahead. Uh, just to differentiate, while we're on the subject of guys in chaos, though, we touched on it a little bit. But Jay White, uh, really starting to come into his own ever since San Francisco, and he yes. showed a lot of that throughout this tournament. Oh yes, I was incredibly happy seeing how much of a little shitster he 
basically became throughout this entire tournament because it made for some really big wins, which is going to include a briefcase defense that Tanahashi is going to have to make against them. Yes, and the, the thing about that with Jay White is he did cheat to win a lot, and I kind of almost wish that uh, Tama Tonga had done the same thing instead of just blatantly getting DQ'd. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been been nice, but yeah, Jay White uh, had a, had a very good tournament. You know, even though he was you know low blowing everyone, he got he got the chance to, but still had a good tournament, got the wins when needed, mm-hmm. and he finished. This, was this his first? This was his first first G one, yeah, and he finished third place in Block A, twelve points. Definitely a very solid showing. Oh yeah, definitely. And uh, I mean, with that too, because. Even with uh, not getting as many losses this tournament, there were some losses where he was getting his just desserts, like Minoru Suzuki absolutely blitzing the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. Hilarious, because, hey, you're going to act like a bitch, you're going to die like a bitch. Yeah. Knowing like <laughs> Minoru Suzuki the way we, the way we do. Um, I know we didn't mention him all, all that much, but evil, solid, low-key solid tournament for him. Yes. Ten points. Uh some good bouts here and there. I don't think any the rematch against Okada probably was his best one. Albeit, I don't think it was as good as their match last year. Right, but they came close, and that's that's fine for a particular junction there. Uh, juncture there, I do still think Evil is going to be a big enough player over the next couple of months. I would figure like if anybody want is to get a shot at Jericho first, it would have to be him, given what happened in the aftermath of that. Dominion match that yeah. Jericho and Naito did have, so just to have some sort of continuation on that, maybe, but uh, we'll see. Um, trying to think who else we haven't touched on as of yet. Oh, yeah, I guess this would be as good of a time to talk about him, and that would be Tanahashi, who won the entire Yes. Um, Not a choice a lot of people expected going into uh, day one of the tournament, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, I, I had him nowhere near... Winning the winning the A block, but I mean he had he had some pretty good matches. The draw with Okada was great. I love that. He, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that he didn't. He he knew the tie was coming, but he didn't want it. He yeah, wanted he was still to going win. for the win nonetheless, and I think that it made that those last minutes of the match that much more special. Yeah, because when you consider the history at this point, Tanahashi hasn't been able to beat Okada in a singles match since. Wrestle Kingdom, I want to say at this point, just it's almost three years now. Yeah. It's been a while because all their G1 matches that they've had with each other have gone to a draw. And Okada pretty much like speed blitzed, not even a speed blitz per se, but he just blitzed through him in that title defense earlier this year that broke the record. So, yeah. That broke his. That broke uh, Tanahashi's record. Yeah, exactly. Record. That yeah. broke Tanahashi's record on top of it. Yeah, that that was the ultimate dagger right there. Um, and I get for a lot of people, it might be, oh god, they're going to Tanahashi again, just like they did all these years ago. And I sort of get the criticism, but at the same time, we have to think that while they're expanding New Japan to a Western audience. Their major market is still in Japan. Yes. And Japan fucking loves Hiroshi Tanahashi. And I don't blame him. No. I love I, him too. I don't either. I, I you know, I, I get sick of him from time to time, but when you have a G one like this and when you have a G one final like that, 
mm-hmm. I, you can't really argue. It's like, okay. I mean, I was, I, you know, I stayed up, watched the, the final live between Ibushi and Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. And I, man, it was, it was, ve- it was fantastic. I really yes. thoroughly enjoyed it. it. It felt like I was watching a match that I'm probably going to be still talking about a decade from now when we're talking just G1 tournaments and the like. Like, we're just like, remember when they went to Budokan and it was Tana and Ibushi just blitzing the ever living <laughs> hell out of each other near the end there? Mm. Like, it, it, it was great. I mean, there's a couple of things that I feel why they might have made the decision on Tanahashi because. Okada's kind of on the downswing. Uh, Jay White, obviously still young. A couple of the guys in Block A are stalwarts, but they're not doing anything too big right now. And yeah. with Ibushi going out of Block B, the thing is, at the end of the day, Kota Ibushi's still a freelancer. Yeah. So they can only do so much with him. Like It was a very nice touch to give him the G1 final over Kenny this time around. Uh, but... I just figured the odds of him winning weren't that good going into it, but we could have been surprised. Who knows? Uh, another thing to consider too is that, ironically enough, thanks to injuries happening that put him on the shelf for a little while, Tanahashi versus Omega is actually a really protected match. They've only wrestled each other in singles once. When was that? And that that was a little bit after um, uh, it was the Wrestle Kingdom, I think. I think two, three years ago after uh, Tana lost the belt and when Kenny turned on AJ to assume leadership of Bullock. Oh, yes. Junior to heavyweight. Because he targeted Tanahashi, who I believe... Yeah, I think Tanahashi had won the Intercontinental title at that time. Yes. And Kenny targeted him for the title. They had that ma- that one match. They were supposed to have the ladder match against each other, and then that's when Tanahashi got injured, and El- me and Michael had a fill-in. Yeah. yeah. That was, um, and I believe uh, that whole thing started on, did that start on New Year's Dash after? Uh... It started shortly after New Year's Dash because it was, um, Omega was targeting Nakamura at first, who, yeah, no, I remember now. He was starting yeah. Nakamura at first, who had the IC title, and then that's when uh, they got announced and Nakamura signed yes. WWE. And he relinquished the title, and then they had the, the Tanahashi Omega competition for it. That's yes. all that There we go. <laughs> Took a little while to get to that point there. Yeah, that, ha- that has been a while. I forget how long ago that actually was. Yeah. It, it's hard to think that you know we still remember some of that kind of like it was yesterday, but then you look at it from a timeline standpoint, it's like, wow been two years already since that yeah really? what yeah what crazy going on here i don't know um all right uh favorite match i think you already told me but just just uh cemented in uh, i'd say uh, let's just cement it with the tanahashi ibushi final yeah let's just call it yeah i think i think uh for me that's that's the best match of the tournament i have i have one final question for you yeah. And it doesn't have to do with the tournament per se. And we were talking about where Naito might go after this, but we have to remember that the whole Suzuki gun LIJ feud, uh, it looks like it's coming back around. Yeah. It's definitely reigniting from the looks of it. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's, uh, Naito and Saber Jr. Re reacquainting themselves towards a program at King of pro wrestling uh, Minoru and Evil definitely got in, got into it with one another during their block A match. Yes. To where I could see that having a continuation. There's obvious interest in a way from 
Bushi side of the fence having an issue with Despi and with Kanemaru with them being the junior heavyweight tag champions. And uh, therein lies my question, though. Yeah, and that's the other big thing with with Hiromu being on the shelf for nearly a year at this point due to that really unfortunate neck injury and yeah definitely like an unfortunate accident between two guys who have worked each other so many times at this point yeah that they trust each other enough to do the kind of crazy shit that they do so (laughs) it's no it's it, it it sucks but i mean a part of me really thinks as well just because of the blood lineage in the fact that at the end of the day this guy is brothers with mystico and with rush who is one of the patriarchs of the original losing gorbina was that you might as well just pull the trigger and say hey dragon lee want to be an lij or something that would that is actually what i was going to ask and suggest and i think that is a perfect fit and it wasn't there at a point where he actually was going to join uh the original in governables yeah, I believe they wanted to at that point point initially pull the trigger on that, but I think they pulled the trigger on um, somebody else in Mexico. I wasn't sure if it was uh, oh, so- just bringing in their dad instead as part of the group. I'd have to ask uh, the specifics on that, but I believe he was rumored at a certain point because you've seen him do the pose before and just... Oh, yeah. Like, Dra- Dragon Lee is like an ingobernable in the waiting at this point, just a matter of which one of them is he joining. I so. think that would be great, and I don't mm-hmm. I, I don't know when you would... That would have to be a surprise, for sure. I think it would have to be a surprise for something... Uh, they did do, unfortunately, the uh, best of super, the Super Junior Tag Tournament's already done this year, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I figure it's something that you could just try to run at one of these shows where Bushi sets up the challenge and says he's got a mystery partner with him, and lo and behold, it turns out to be Dragon Lee. That so, would be that would be great. I would be one hundred percent down with that. I'd be I'd be intrigued by it as well. But a lot of it is going. A lot of what I'm interested in seeing is what are they going to do for this uh, destruction tour and how they're going to set up the cards because that's probably going to start telling us what to look at, not only for Fighting Spirit in Long Beach on September 30th, but then obviously for uh, King of Pearl Wrestling as well. Right. So it's to kind of get a glimpse of what could possibly happen within uh, those cards. Uh, One other thing to point out as well, too, with Tanahashi specifically, he does have a movie coming out of Japan, by the way, uh, September 22nd. If you've seen the trailer for that, uh, it's called My Dad is a Heel Wrestler, which is based off of (laughs) a pair of picture books, uh, children's picture books over in Japan that they decided to adapt where Tanahashi plays a pro wrestler that used to be popular, but not so much anymore. So he has to wear a mask and be a heel known as the cockroach. (laughs) Uh, Some, some other new Japan talent is also in the movie as well. Okada, I believe is in, uh, I think Liger as well, I think is a part of it. And I know Trent actually made the movie as well. Oh, great. Crazy enough. His name is the stuff of legend. I need to actually find it wherever it is on Twitter over here. Cause the name they gave, the name they gave for his character is just Wow. It's it's very Trent, I'll say that. There's a Marianism. Oh boy. Just good stuff. So oh are you, you're looking it up? 
yeah, go go ahead. Yeah, I'll look it up here. I'll eventually find it. I swear. I was just going to. Uh, I was going to start plugging away here. If you wanted yeah. to, uh, do you want me to do? I'll do mine. We'll do mine yeah, first. Go, Let's do go it. Go ahead, by all means. <laughs> so you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter uh, at Tornado Tag Radio. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JP Thrice. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. Uh, just search Tornado Tag Radio, rate and review us as well. Uh, notlg.spreadshirt.com. Buy one of our Tornado Tag Radio shirts before we change the logo. That'll happen in the near future, I Ooh. think. Yeah, I don't know when, but uh, I'm I'm starting starting the it's wheels coming. a turning. Yeah, uh, let's see. Um, Patreon.com/slash/notlg. Become a Patreon. I'm pretty sure Chris is a Patreon. Yep. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> of course, no, absolutely, man. That, that's that happy support, and you and Marianne are good friends too. So it's like, like it's just an extra two bucks for them. But it's like, hey, buy yourselves something as somewhat cheap as possible in the state of California. I don't know, man. <laughs> well, it's a thing. What happens is you you are helping us get on Spotify and all over the other places. So that's there you go. There we go. Cool. So that's uh, where can the people find you? Uh, for me specifically, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram most of the time. Mostly Twitter, a bit of IG here and there. Uh, that's under Brazilian Fury. That's Brazilian with an S instead of a Z. Um, along with that, you can check me out also in our the podcast that I help co-host and edit, uh, which is called Strong Style Story. Uh, the Twitter is Strong Style Story without the E in style. Uh, you can find us on soundcloud.com slash pro wrestling only under the place to be nation banner. We do strong style story, which is attempting to make sense of everything that's current in new Japan pro wrestling, along with our nice little niche strong style history, where we take a look at the historical portions of new Japan and attempt to make sense out of those. Um, the last episode we did was covering the very first G1 climax tournament, uh, the, the first tournament under Ooh. the G1 Climax brand, I should say, because they've had multiple tournaments prior to that. Um, we went into detail really specifically about the final, which was um, Chono versus Keiji Muto, which was a fantastic match in its own right there. Mm. Uh, and we're planning on covering G1 Climax 23 from uh, about five years ago at this point, where it was the breakout tournament for guys like Ishii, Tomoaki Homna, uh, Okada, AJ Styles was there at that point too, and just a lot of good stuff still coming. We'll do like a full G1 Climax show as well at a certain point next week when we can get the entire gang together to record it. Hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed. You never know what real life sometimes. Yeah. Um, and as I found out, Trent's name in that movie of My Dad is a Hill Wrestler is Joe Hardy. Phantasmagoric Speedstar. <laughs> I think that's as perfect a note to end on as any. Chris, thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. Um, we'll try and do some more. I would love to do some more New Japan uh, related podcasts in the future, and uh, you're my go-to. So, Absolutely. We'll have to eventually talk bull at a certain point or another with that coming up, too. Oh, yes. So we're about as ready as ever oh yeah got those ga tickets yes uh yeah mm -hmm. all right perfect i i got those as well um all right so uh there's only one thing left to do so ring that bell this has been a night of the living geeks production for more information and content 
visit notlg.com.